Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Reaction Monday edition of the program. And and quite quite honestly, um, this one can be reacted to similarly as some of the other ones. It's coming in hot. There we go. Um, mm. Yeah, it's look. They're they're one of the better teams in the league. They're not playing at their best right now. Was the opportunity there to spring an upset? Yeah, for sure. Um, but this is also what happens when you are not one of the best teams in the league, and we clearly are not that at this point. Um, that when you have a mistake or a series of plays that don't go your way for this team, that snowballs, and there's not a way to stop the avalanche it once it starts it's too damn late and it's done we saw it last week against Miami at the end of the second half we saw it this week in the second half um and so or in the first second quarter sorry excuse me second quarter both instances um we are just not able to have much resistance when things don't go perfectly no and it's it's frustrating everybody if you're listening to this show and you're frustrated we're frustrated yeah the browns are frustrated it's a frustrating season this game felt so similar to so many we score early our defense actually plays very well early we don't capitalize on that at one point at one point in this game i'll have you know the browns had 11 first downs Mm -hmm. the bills had zero and the score was 10 to 3 because special teams, again, bad punt, bad punt coverage. Mm-hmm. They get three and out, still get a field goal. Uh, the Browns just could not take advantage. Drop passes in the end zone on consecutive plays. Mm-hmm. Harrison Browns was a little tougher. Farrell Browns was perfect. Oh, and then here's a familiar thing. Tell me if you've heard this before. Browns on a nice drive. They fumble in the opponent's territory. Browns go forward on fourth down, deep in opponent's territory. Don't get it. Yeah. I mean, the Browns, oh, we're going to kick a field goal this time. Blocked third time this year. Yeah. It's just, it's a cavalcade of mistakes. And and what I came to the realization this morning, and it was, uh, it's not a fun realization, but the Browns are the, you remember, what was the open for 30-30? 30 for 30. How'd that open go? Can you remind me of that open? Oh, the ESPN 30 yeah, for 30? Yeah, like how they go. What if I told you? What if you? I told you? What if I told you? Yeah, what if I told, what if I told you? you? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to play a little. Just indulge me. If oh, you don't please. Mind. I'd love to. If yeah. you don't mind. We're I, gonna, we're I gonna love do, this. We're going to do a what if I told you. What if I told you? Which is, again, in this case, not fun. But we'll start with this game. Okay? And then you'll, we're going to get a theme here. And then we're going to go. We're going to be like, all right, stop. Put me out of my misery. And I might. <laughs> Or I might keep going. Okay. What if I told you All right, let's go. that the Browns would face the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. and that Josh Allen would throw for 197 mm-hmm. yards mm-hmm. and one touchdown, that Steph- and that touchdown would go to Stephon Diggs, who would have just 48 yards rushing. Uh-huh. And what if I told you Jacoby Brissett in the very same game would throw for 324 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 116? Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. believe that the Browns would lose that game and really basically lose that game by 15 points? I know we scored at the end to, to make it an eight-point game, but basically lose that game by 15 points. Mm-hmm. Would you believe that? No. No. You no. want to do last week's? Because you could do last week's the same way. Well, we were that was going to get in that. But at least in that case, game, I, 2-0 still <laughs> threw for three touchdowns. Right. And it was the good. same thing. Okay. So, yeah. What if I told you Tyree Kill had, and Waddle had 110 yards? yards. Yeah, yeah. That you would lose. Well, what if I would tell you that the Browns would go into Baltimore in a game in which Jacoby Brissett would go 22 of 27 for 258 yards, no interceptions, uh, in a game that Nick Chubb would run it for 91 yards and a touchdown. And then on the other side of the ball, 
for the Baltimore Ravens that they themselves, you would have Lamar Jackson <clears throat> going 9 of 16 for 120 yards passing and be held of just 59 yards rushing, and that Mark Andrews wouldn't catch a pass. Yeah. You would say, Nathan, it is my belief that the Cleveland Browns would win that football game. And I would say to you, I'm sorry, you would be wrong. And then I'll go back a few more weeks even before that. Let's go to a game against the Los Angeles Chargers, mm -hmm. shall we? And if I were to tell you that in this game against the Los Angeles Chargers, that Justin Herbert, one of the most electric quarterbacks in the NFL, would go 22 of 34, 228, one touchdown only. Jacoby Brissett would throw for 230 and a touchdown of his own. Mm -hmm. Nick Chubb would run for 134 yards and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt would run for another 47 yards and a touchdown. You would say to me, boy, I feel like the Browns won that game. Victory you, City. You would be wrong. And yeah. that is this, that's this team. That's this season. A lot of what if I told you's that feel like the Browns should win the games under those auspices. What if I told you the Browns held the defense? It did. It's a fact. Held the Bills to six field goals. That feels like pretty good. Yeah. No, not. And this team, it's just disappointing. So there's so many losses that are just so frustrating. And, and now you're three and seven and. You know, you got to win out to have any kind of a chance, but there's certainly no indication that this team is no. capable of, of doing that. No, I think the one, as we were doing the what if I told you's, the, the one common denominator in I'm pretty sure every game you mentioned is that we were absolutely gashed in the run game, almost historically speaking, whether it was With the Chargers game, Baltimore. other than Baltimore, the Chargers yeah. game, the Miami game, and this game. Sure. 171 right. yards on the ground, averaging 5.2 a, 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 a carry where Singletary and Cook, it was both of their high season. That's right. Individually, yeah. their high rushing marks of the season you in one it. game. Yeah. Um, so so this, is, this is who we are. So we, we cannot stop the run, and we, as a, as an inst as a group, cannot bow up when things don't go our way we are when when something goes wrong it goes way wrong and that's fun that's clutchness or but it's and it's Drops. little stupid stuff fumbles yep. punts special teams like just just stuff that will drive you nuts that's right that we the devil is in the details for us so even if we were even if you were what we are stopping the run which is brutal but even if we were, even if that were the case, if you did the little things, you would have won some of those games. If you just make field goals, you could give up. This team was very clearly, I think, built with the notion that we were going to score a lot of points with Deshaun Watson playing the majority of this season. Yes. He is not going to play the majority of this season. We've still scored a decent amount of points, but we made the gamble that teams would have to throw it all over the place to try and chase us because we were going to score a lot with all of this talent on offense. And you can see why that that was the case. I think it's also fair to say that feels like a miscalculation here because the Watson penalty went from what was going to be or you thought would be four to six, and even initially at six, it goes to 11. And by the way, this is not – let's be very clear. Jacoby Brissett has been great. He's not a three and seven quarterback, no. and that's the biggest shame in all of this. It sucks because he he's been amazing. Yes, he's played very well. I mean, you went through his stats. He's twenty eight of forty one, three twenty four, three touchdowns and a one sixteen rating against Buffalo. Now it's chasing at the end, so you're sure. doing some statistical accumulation. But he's been this way most of the year. Here's the thing for the season: Jacoby Brissett, sixty five percent completions, eleven touchdowns, five picks. So that's a two to one, two hundred and forty yards a game, and a ninety one rating. A ninety one rating. Jacoby Brissett is having a career season. This is the best football he has ever played in his career. Career highs and completion percentage. The touchdown to interception ratio is pretty much right on his his career numbers. 
But he's got he's already at a quarterback rating of 105 games. I'm counting the Jets game because he got dinged for that interception yeah. at the end. He never should have thrown that pass. He's had a quarterback rating of 100 plus in five games so far this year. He is setting by 40 yards a game, the most yards per game he's ever had, the highest quarterback rating of his entire career, the highest QBR of his entire career. The guy's playing good football. He's playing better winning football and good enough football, obviously, to win with this team if it played like it did last year. All we heard last year was if we can get competent quarterback play, we're going to be a playoff team. Guess what? That was true last year. This year you're getting definitely competent quarterback play. And you're not winning, and it falls solely, in my opinion, on the defense and on the special teams. They yeah. have not been good enough all year long, and it's a repeated problem. And it's it's not getting any better. And now what's wild about the D is the D puts its mind to something, and it actually does it. I'll give you examples in all those games, right? we got to slow down Justin Herbert. Slow down Justin Herbert. We've yeah. got to stop Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. We do do that. Now, Gus Edwards scores twice, but we averaged three yards of carry in that game. New England, we're going to stop the run. And other than one carry in the game where Stevenson roughed a 30-yard touchdown, we stopped the run, but then Bailey Zappi lit us up. Yep. This time, we're going to go ahead and stop You know, Tyreek Hill down in Miami. Jalen Waddle, you actually did that. Yep. We're going to stop Stephon Diggs. You actually did that. Mm-hmm. And limit Josh Allen. And yet, it's not enough because it's almost like we do this one thing, we can't do anything else. We don't generate any turnovers. None. At all. It, it just doesn't happen, and that hurts the momentum, obviously, of this football team. We give it away around once a game. This is a team that's been given away twice. It's just our run defense is atrocious. There is no discipline in terms of gap responsibilities. Our defensive tackles are either blown off the ball. There's one play yesterday where uh, one of our defensive tackles made a tackle on the play, and Jim's like, oh, yeah, he's tackled by the defensive tackle. Six yards down the field on his back because he had gotten yeah. basically just bulldozed by their linemen. And then other plays, our defensive tackles are 12 yards in the backfield, but the play's already six yards downfield. Like, what's going what on? What is going on? Yeah. So it's just, it's bad, and it just feels like the thing that I think is hard is there are a lot of people, and I had a teacher in high school, Mark Brager, who used to say, you're shooting your bazoo without a license. There are a lot of people on this team right now, I feel like, shooting their bazoo without a license who are yeah. not performing at the level that would necessitate bazoo shooting. Yeah, and I think that that all of these things lead to what is going to be a very critical, not in terms of the playoffs, but just in terms of what this operation is going forward. Like the next seven games, there's a lot going on here, man. Here's what there's I There's a lot going on. I want this team to put together a performance that allows Jacoby Brissett, if he plays the way that he has been, to win a football game. He deserves to win a game. I'd love him to win his last start. It'd be great for him to beat Tom Brady. The history there with he and Tom Brady in New England, it would be great. And then those final six games, how do we look with Deshaun Watson? He's not curing the... No, he doesn't Here's fix what ails you. Correct. Now, do we go on as many lulls offensively without him, with Deshaun Watson? I Probably not. You hope maybe he makes a play. But again, Jacoby hasn't been the problem. All of a sudden, we can't run the ball. Nick Chubb, 14 carries for 19 yards. It's back-to-back games where he's, he's, we've struggled to run the football. Um, but your defense, it's wild. You did a, couldn't block it in the middle. I mean, they just were... No. Crushing us. I mean, we're on third court center and all of fourth? that. But four, fourth, that's right. Fourth center. But it's like, yeah, you just you felt it. And your point on Brissett, I don't know how many folks realize this, but in QBR is a metric that ESPN put together in to like measure the fact they felt like game situation. Yeah, everything. Everything. And so they felt like it was it's more accurate than rating. Than, than rating. Yep. And they've really pushed it for a long time, put a lot of effort into it. So from a QBR standpoint, 
Jacoby Brissett's QBR is better than Justin Herbert's, Joe Burrow's, and Tom Brady's. He's sixth in the league. Sixth in, in the QBR. league. Like he ain't it. <laughs> he's, he's not the problem. It's actually he's actually playing. Had we had this type of quarterback play for the last couple of years, you're you're postseason bound every single year. You're winning the division. You're doing all of those things. He's been superb. I mean, he's he I I didn't know he was this good. I'll be honest with you. I didn't. But he's been great. He's been great. The scheme the has been great. two balls into the end zone to the damn tight ends go off their hands. My goodness. I mean, the one catch that one of Brown them. Was... Catch one of, one of them. Catch. If yeah. one of them's a catch. Like, you had two shots. What, what about, about the your one hands? Harrison Bright? Put your foot down. Yeah, right. He's all off balance. Why? Why are you? You're standing in the back of the end zone. You're standing there. Catch it. Catch it and drop straight. I don't know. It's the toe drag swag. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's tough. It's frustrating. This one was, you know, it's interesting, though, when you think about it. So, what, what were you, eight and a half point dogs in this game? Mm-hmm. So we cover, um, but from a when, when I think of this stretch of games, th- this stretch of games hurts because the Jets, the Chargers, the Falcons, that's where these games Ravens hurt. Ravens even, Ravens even. Th- those are the games where it hurts because you blew it. Then you needed to bank. Everybody looked at this schedule and said you've got to bank some some cash, get some deposits in there so that you can live off of it when it goes dry because you knew this stretch was going to be what this stretch has been. Um, brutal, and it has been. Yeah. But losing to this Buffalo team, losing to that Miami team, th- they sting this badly because you're up 13 with two minutes to go against the Jets at home. Yep. That's why. Win those three games you're supposed to, and these losses, and you say, boy, Watson's coming here soon. We're going to get this all sorted out in terms of he's going to give us a boost, and away you go. And it would have, it would have, put a little bit of a facade over the realities of of where we are right now and instead all of those things went catastrophic horribly wrong and and so that leads to where we are now where you had to win one of these three games really need to win two one of them makes it i don't know you could try and spin hope a little bit it's going to be hard but you need to win every game it's going to take 10 and 7 yeah you got to win every game out so which is a tall 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 given that that's by my calculations, that's seven games. Correct. And we've won three yeah. in ten tries. It just doesn't it doesn't lead to a lot of optimism. No. Unfortunately. And it's again, it's it feels it's funny. And Gibbe I don't know if Gibbe's back. back yeah. Gibbe will so we're up there when the coin toss happened. As soon as we lost the coin toss, I would, we both just looked at each other and we just started shaking our heads because really? it was like, you know, they're going to score going into the half yep. and then they're going to score coming out of the half. Guess what? They did. That was 10 points. And now, now in Miami, it was 14 points. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you just knew it was going to happen. As soon as, and when we were down at the half, it felt to me personally, and I am full of zest. I'm an optimistic guy. Yeah. I like to go glass the full. Glass 90% full. It just felt to me like at that point I I'd seen the movie. I knew I so I had seen yeah. it. I knew what was going to happen, and and it did. Even when they second half they hold them to three right out of the gate, and you go, okay, like hmm. like we're, we if we can get out of our own way mm-hmm. and go down and, and and do something here, the pressure is right back on them. They did not play. Buffalo did not impress. They did not play. They well. were slugs. They went through. I mean, when you now you were hearing all the stories, it was complete insanity what they went through just to Correct. get to Detroit yeah. to play this game. And you can't be up by a touchdown only when you have eleven first downs and they have zero. Right. They didn't get a first down 
until I think it was 22 minutes into the game? Correct. They were, you need they to were, be up by 20. They were double digits in total yards. Before that last drive, it was like 200 total yards for us and 50 for them. Correct. For the last drive of the first half. Correct. And it's like, and we're at, and at that point, we're, we're at 10 6. Yeah. How? Yeah. I it's mean, absurd. Yeah, it is. It's the, um, it was the same. I felt the same way with it. Was, it was the Miami game all over again. Score right before half, and you go, because honestly, it was, what was it, three at that point? It's 13 10. We're down. Yep. It might as well have been 30 to 10 for me. I, I, I'm like, it's, that's, that's it. I don't, I don't know. There's, they're going to score coming out of break and all the momentum, and away we go. The same thing happened to Miami. We had the ball for 20 minutes in the first half, and they had it for 10, mm-hmm. and we were losing. Like, that just doesn't, it, it doesn't happen in the NFL. At, at the point where we had 11 first downs, 200 total, four times the total yards, and we were ahead by four points. I mean, it's, in, it's insane how this has happened to our football team. Just, it's a lack of, there is a there is a severe lack, and this is how it feels to me, and I you can agree disagree. This is how I feel. There is a severe lack of clutch meter on this team. Mm-hmm. There is a severe lack of just execution of the most basic of details, mm-hmm. a consistency in execution. I would say, and there is it feels like I don't know if it's a lack of leadership or if it is a lack of somebody who's going to get in people's butts. There is a lack of somebody who says, follow me somewhere. Follow me to freedom. And maybe Deshaun is able to do that. But the fact that whenever it starts to, uh, the first sign of it's going to miss, it's just like, we'll see ya. And it's not everybody. There are guys no. out there competing their butts off. But it is just the way of this, the collective. The, the sum is so significantly less or the whole is so significantly less than the sum of the parts, Correct. it is It's shocking. Our special teams are atrocious. Yeah. Atrocious. They hurt us. Every week. We're thrilled, and we're over here throwing parties when they're neutral. Yeah. They're awful. Our defense has does certain things well every yeah. week, but not enough, and they certainly don't make game-changing plays. Like, they don't make game-changing plays. They can't stop the run. No. Like, it's a sieve. Can you even think of it? Has there been a game-changing play this year on defense? I don't want to – I mean, I – You could say that Miles Tip picked by A.J. Green and stopped that first drive, and it probably yeah. made Cincinnati get in the bad headspace because of everything that's happened with Burrow against yeah. us. But other than that, no, the pick against Atlanta was inconsequential. Well, we haven't had that many turnovers. I mean, it's – We have three picks. On I know the season. That. Like it's, on the season. Yeah. So that's – yeah. No, no, there isn't that. We just go over what you said, buddy. How many – if, if you're not clutch, you don't have fire, and you don't pay attention to the details, you're bad. And that's we're what we are. We're three and seven. We that's are what we bad. Are. That's what we are. We and it's the crazy. We're not alone. The Rams are three and seven on this season. The Denver Broncos are three and seven on this season. The Raiders are three and seven. Um, it's just the way it's happened for us. Is so it's just sucks because we're obviously better than what yeah. our record is. But at the same time, we're not. We are. You are what your record we says. We show right? portions of games. Yeah. And then the Cincinnati game would be the one game where we put it all together. But we show portions of games where you say, we can play with anybody. Mm-hmm. And then we show portions of the game where it looks like we should be up for like relegation. Yeah. Yep. 
which yeah. is insane. And the the same stuff, you know, the the special teams miscues, the details not being there, run defense, and the run defense, and inability to to stop it when it starts to go bad. This is now who you are. This isn't a one off. Like this is who and we are over the course of a season. Here's the thing: played a lot of games. Run defense, it feels like, is kind of like playing defense in basketball. Like, it feels like... Just want to, right? It's some want to, some effort, right? I mean, you... Now, certain teams, the Ravens, would be one. But, by the way, we did great against them. We helped... Josh Allen didn't damage us running the football at all in this game. In fact, he was three carries for seven yards in the game. He came in as their leading rusher. It is... So, in that case, it's really 11 on 9, the quarterback is not a part of the run game, and the guy running the ball is not blocking. There should be two guys free every time. Yeah. And we are atrocious against the run, and it reminds me, and I believe that it's true, like in the band basketball, you know, I wasn't a great defender sometimes. I didn't care to be. Right. I wanted to get on offense as quickly as possible. Sure. Just being honest. Yeah. The coaches did not like my philosophy. Basketball's at both ends of the court, though. I'll make more shots than my guy, and I'll talk to him. And that also, there is an art of talking that is a part of yeah. playing defense as we well. We don't have that either. We don't have that chestiness. No, no. It's no, just we just don't so, have it. It is so frustrating, and I just it, it like I'm going to contrast two things. I actually just got a text from uh, S's father, the great FG. Ah, FG. Yeah, and he shared with and i'm sure you saw garrett wilson's quotes after the jets game i did yep okay those in tone and tenor are so different than any of the quotes that come out of our locker room after a game he was basically like this was unacceptable yeah we will get this fixed yeah he's a rookie no matter what but what happened today was unacceptable ours is you know sometimes it, and, and grant may be right people don't know what they're doing Miles is saying they're not emphasizing takeaways. Like, that's all they talk about in practice is takeaway. They do t- – I mean, it's obviously something they're emphasizing. We're just not doing it. Right, right. And it feels like more of a mm-hmm. a pass the buck. It's not me. It's got to be the coaching. It's got to be this yeah. guy. It's got to be that. Like, and all any individual player can control is themselves, and, yeah. and that's maybe a recommendation. The focus of their commentary should be themselves. Collectively, it's not good enough. Obviously, and you need to be together. But like I thought, Garrett Wilson's quotes were a the quotes of a a leader, even as a rookie, yeah. being like, "Uh, uh-uh, not acceptable." Period. The end. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's not it. So that like we've been saying a lot of this stuff, right? Remember, it was the details, and oh, we're going to spend more time in the film room, and oh, we played good against Cincinnati. Well, we had urgency that game, and yeah. it's like now we have no more urgency. Now, no now urgency. we're now we're yeah. not watching film anymore. Like we beat the Bengals and we're we don't need to work anymore. But I know guys are working. That's the and that's what's so hard. And people need these guys have been playing football their whole lives at a very high level. Yep. Like cover threes are cover threes, and and yes, there can be different nuances to a cover three. But that would be maybe a thing if like it was changing year to year, and you all of a sudden right. had new coaches and new terminology and new rules yes. for one, two, and three in your various coverages. We don't. No. And we got. I mean, they threw the wide open touchdown to Diggs. We also got lucky on another one when Diggs went bonkers on the sideline where we let him run down the field, and Allen looked right at him, didn't throw just it to didn't, him, which was nuts. Didn't see it he or checked didn't, it down. He, he didn't looked see it. at it, just and didn't see it. Diggs was jumping up and down, throwing yeah. a tantrum, and Gibby and I were loving it. But it's wild to me that this stuff yeah. still happens and that we are incapable of stopping people that don't want to run the ball. No, no, no. It's it's. 
It's very, it's, it's very frustrating. Deshaun's not going to cure all of this because Jacoby Brissett's not the problem. No. And Deshaun will make it better, and hopefully perhaps maybe just his presence will elevate things. But for a defense that was top five a year ago, for an, a team that you said, okay, if you just scored 20 points a game, you would win the division, which yep. is true last year. That's a factual statement over That's the true. final second yep. half of the season. We're doing that every week. Mm-hmm. I, I'm stupefied. I know we changed our defensive tackles. That's not that's a part of the problem, mm-hmm. but it's not like the whole issue. Not all of it. That's not all it. We I mean, didn't the lose two to the Jets. Were really good last year, but like, yeah, it can't. But be I mean, all it's, Malik Jackson's not in the league this year. No, Malik no, McDowell I know. Was, right, right. you know, had his issues. He was obviously talented. Yeah. Um, that's not what we lost to the Jets. Defensive no. tackles are when we lost to the Jets. Nope. It's just a. I don't know. It's a. It's a stupefying season and it feels like you now are looking at as you mentioned perfectly the final seven I'd love to give Jacoby Brissett the swung son he deserves take out Tom Brady in his final game in Cleveland be wonderful and then it's about six games what can we do in those final six games with Deshaun you know can we go four and two five and one six and oh can we look like a formidable team to build some momentum because it feels like right now I don't even know what in my mind I could say that the team in 2020 three is going to look like other than to say, you know, Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, most of the line, Najoku, Amari, Donovan, Peoples-Jones. Beyond that, I have no idea. No, it's hard and to say. And on defense, it's really hard to say Oh, gosh, yeah. what's what. Yeah, no, it is. more Certainly more questions than answers, even though we've seen now, we've read the book that we read on Sunday, we've read it many times. Similar issues over and over and over I over said, the course of the season. I think I said to Jim one of the breaks. I was like, "It's being, it's like being forced to watch a show that you've already seen many, many times, but just don't enjoy." You don't it. like it. I don't like yeah. it. I don't. Why want am to watch I watching this, this again? Yeah. yeah. Fans of Browns defense recorded two sacks yesterday. That means you win a free appetizer today at any participating Northeast Ohio Buffalo Wild Wings location. Terms and conditions apply. Buffalo Wild Wings, the greatest of all times. Coach Stefanski's presser coming up next. I do believe you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. When you when you talk to people in Buffalo in terms of what they had to do just to get to the game, I yeah. mean, I've seen the videos of the of the guys like snow, like snow plows, Farmers snow plowing guys out of their driveways. How did they even get there? So, like, I was talking with uh, Bobby Babich, who used to work here mm-hmm. uh, back in the Mike Pettin era. He's the linebackers coach for the Buffalo Bills now. Great dude, and spent some time with him pregame. And he was like, "This has been the craziest forty-eight hours of my life." I was like, well, "Talk to me, brother." So he lives. So if you, in Buffalo there was nothing but everybody south, which is Orchard Park, where the stadium is, all that was just bombed, bombed six plus feet. Just completely insane. So, uh, vintage Serena. He, he, bravo. He 
lived off of what he said, like a main street. And then to get to his street, there's only one street that comes off the main street. And it kind of goes over like an overpass and then down into where his like neighborhood is. He's only a mile and a half from the facility. The snow was so bad that there were two cars that tried to make it over the little overpass mm-hmm. and didn't. So they were stuck there and left there. So now they can't plow because oh, there are two cars stuck there. So they can't plow the overpass. So everybody in this neighborhood is like stuck in this neighborhood because that is the one way out. And there's no, they can't plow. So he had to walk on Friday to the facility to work in like three feet of snow. And he's like, I was walking through and finally he gets over this overpass and he was planning to walk the whole way. And like a fireman, they picked him up and and took him there and then they brought him back to the end. But he still had to walk over the overpass. And he had to do the same to get out for, to get to the airplane. He had to go over the, walk himself through. And this side, there's no, nothing was touched. And there's no fix here because they can't get over to snowplow it because these cars are stuck on the overpass. Correct. Jeez. Like, and he said there are players who needed, you know, teams of people to get them out just so they could get there. He's, there was a, a good portion of time where we didn't think we were getting to Detroit. Or we, thought we, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't think we were going to play the game. But obviously they made it, and I think you could tell they were a little off and shell-shocked For early. Sure. And then we, well, you know, we didn't take advantage. But just wild. The what was the, the crowd like? It was awesome, actually. It was hard to tell on TV, like, if it was – It was full. Was it – Split or was it mostly 50-50. them? 50-50. Really? I think they piped in a little noise for them to give it like a little bit more of a home game feel, but never during the game. And I even noted on the broadcast at one point, I said, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, they get to come in a dome, they get to come in a dome. Well, we get to not play in front of the Bills Mafia. So think about, you know, we convert yeah. two third downs on the first drive. If you watch the Minnesota game at all the week before, four of the six timeouts Minnesota used were pre-snap timeouts because they couldn't communicate because it was so loud. Yeah, you know, and for the one where we were backed up deep in our own end, like that would have been backed up in front of the Bills' mouth. Like that would be so much yeah, harder. True. Obviously, we didn't win, so it doesn't matter. But that was, yeah, that was a, a factor as well. But there were a lot of Bills fans there. It was, it was cool. I thought it, was, it felt like you were at a bowl game. Wasn't the national championship yeah. game, but was a was a, a, a really good bowl game. Good, where it's, yeah, of yeah. Consequence. Everyone was dialed in and it yeah. was excited. Yeah. The um the broadcasters were saying that. I guess Amanda Balionis, or I think she's Amanda Renner now. I know her from golf as Balionis. She was on sidelines. And then who was on color? Lofton. Lofton. So they were coming in from San Diego area, and they got stuck. They, they went through Detroit because that's the connecting to go to Buffalo. And they got on the plane and took off from Detroit to go to Buffalo when they got the notification that the game was going to be played in Detroit. So they went there and then had to go back to Detroit. To Why play the game. They have just told him to hang on. Let's see what the ruling I is. I have here. no idea. Well, I'm sure their flight's not going to wait. No, but I'm saying, like, don't get on that flight. Like, you can fly to Buffalo. Who knows? Because they made an announcement on now. Friday. Yeah. Who knows how this air travel, how it goes now. Um, so, like, they didn't even, they were dressed for, like, Amanda was saying, like, she was dressed for winter. And so, like, she didn't even have clothes to wear in 72 degrees because why would you pack for that? When you leave your home, you're going to go broadcast a game in the north pole outdoors outdoors not indoors no 72 degrees um i'll tell you the i i understand certainly the the nostalgia and you heard hoff talk last week about playing the snowball game and what it meant to him um and it was one of his most one of the most fun times of his time here that game in 2007 
But and I too can understand. You see these, they see the snow, and you see it. And it's so cool. But if you have an ability to build a dome, do it. You have to. I do it. I just think like you want to see football played at its best in in perfect conditions, rather than sitting out in the middle of all of this stuff. It it's just a no brainer to have seventy two degrees or whatever it was at Ford Field, and you walk in and you have your concessions and everything's good, and you're watching the game. That to me, where this sport is going where there are so many options for us to do with our time and our free time and so many things pulling at us, I, I think a controlled environment is a, is, a, is a necessity. It's wonderful. Yeah, I will say that we were in the uh, national radio booth because the Lions had already set up for the Thanksgiving game on Thursday in their booth. We called this game, brother, from the rafters. I have never – like, if you had a fear of heights, so you couldn't have been So what's the national radio booth? It's Like, is that like the – like CBS or like Westwood One or whatever? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. And it was – we were way down in one end zone basically, and we were – you could touch the steel beams up really? top. Do you see my picture? Like, no, I'm, I I'm, didn't see it. I'm, I have to lean – when they were in the end zone down to the right, I had to lean out because I was blocked by a bricks – the bricks – the bricks – the brick structure in Ford Field. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're at the ceiling. Yes. Like, we are – I've never been – that high indoors, I don't know. I'm obviously going buildings that are you know 400 feet, whatever, 40 oh stories, 50 stories, 100 stories. But I'm saying in a football game, we've never been higher. So that was after Miami where we couldn't have been further away from the field in a corner. This was now we were, I mean, up that steel. And I don't understand how many places have – it's a stunning structure inside. The brick's awesome, which you can see right there. And I was yeah. blocked, partially blocked by the brick. I had to lean out. <laughs> there are – so many massive – there's a massive steel structure going across. Of, do you know that on the inside of Ford Field? Like this. Like this is all just hanging from the ceiling. It's like built into the sides, but I think maybe it supports the roof. Okay. But it, that's a lot of weight to be under the roof. That is interesting that the beams would be – so the, be, like the those steel are beaming is – And they're ginormous okay, steel beams. So they're all exposed. Oh, wow. A lot of time those roofs like don't have anything on them. Yeah, that's like the 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 the, the strength hanging. of it is is the roof. The roof has the strength in it, so that's hanging. In, it's almost like the roof is sitting on top of that. Yeah, as opposed to it being integrated. I've never been in the place. Really, it's no. nice. I like it. It's cool yeah. in there. It feels, it's indoors. Feels big, but feels intimate at the same time. Uh, I, I'm a Ford Field fan. Yeah. I did like you it. guys have? Um, how did the? I mean, you drove up Sunday, right? So the team, yeah, we our team drove up Saturday. Saturday. So was there enough? Wouldn't drive back with me. It was sad. This is sad. Is there enough? Was there enough like lodging for everybody, or how did all that work out? Know better than that. There were some rumors that there was two hotels stuff going around, and there was hardly enough tables for everybody. Here he comes. Here he comes. Yeah, the great giving. Uh, There were definitely people that had to pair up. I was not one of them. Thank God, you're giving. But that there weren't enough, right? Like no. I, I, heard, I read that it, on Sunday morning that there was a real concern. Like, wait a second, now all of a sudden we have an extra three hundred hotel rooms that we got to have for two NFL teams. Correct. And it's got to be a certain level. You can't I, put I, them at the the it, motor in. And Zagur, I appreciate Mr. Zagura's offer to ride home. Yeah. But it was a mess trying to get two teams loaded out. <laughs> One going in one direction, one going halfway in one direction, yeah. half in another direction. Like the Bills kept some stuff there, but we're packing up. The Bills flew home yesterday. 
Okay. After the game, they were. And there's only like, one tunnel. We are going back home to Buffalo. There's we one have tunnel. That need to be done. We have families that need yeah. their people's help. There's only one tunnel, so everybody, everything had to go out the same uh, area. All the buses had to be is, in the same area. It, if you were underground yesterday post game, it was a mess because there were two different food lines. <laughs> oh. Like play, you know, Buffalo had their side, but everything <laughs> underneath overlaps. So like your locker room is right next to like the visitor lot, the visitor press media room and oh. our press room. Like there's people just going back and forth. When Gibe texted me, we just got to the facility. I had already been eating deconstructed chicken pot pie, by the way, which was phenomenal. I got to get this recipe. It was I'm so intrigued by what she tried to do here. She didn't try. She crushed, crushed it. it. God, and I'd already, good. I'd already had a glass of a, uh, a Grenache Zin blend from Paso Robles, which was fantastic. And we I was had just, no heat on our bus. And he's like, yeah, we just got to the facility. I was like, I've been home for an hour. <laughs> Give <it. laughs> Hey, man, there, there was stuff to do. Post game is just as important. Oof. So how, let, give me this chip pop. How did she pull it off? Well, we don't to go through all the details, but she I don't she even know. It. When I came home, it was ready. God, she's a force of nature and it was unbelievable just, it was just delightful what i got it what a woman you. hold on by the way we're since this is on here i see under there show the people oh yes the fighting bobcats dominant dominant 55 21 i thought game day did a hell of a job i thought they crushed it um they did a really they whiffed on the picker should have been you well it should have been faldo or nick remember we said he was angling for it so college game day was at Montana, Montana State, Cat Grizz, as we call it. And um, it was – they did a great job of painting the picture of it all. I thought they did a good job of, of giving you a little bit of color. Some of the vignettes they did were really, really hit home. A um, couple of things. The Yeah, Faldo can't be the – he's lived there six months, and he lobbied for it. I don't so know. Like, I feel like in retrospect when he made that video, he had already known. Don't you think? Not from what I understand. I think they were trying to find people who were either graduates – of Montana State, like it's it's hard to get into the state. It's, it was five degrees, so it was it was pretty cold. So it's hard to get people to come in and do it. Uh, maybe my guy Michael Keaton maybe has, doesn't watch college football or something. I don't know, but I thought he would have been perfect. Yeah. He's lived there for a long, long Kilborn, time. Kilborn though, Kilborn would have been ideal. I, I just don't know if he would have could he got up there. I don't know. Um, well, he would have been great. And want him up there. Well, that's true too. I don't know. I mean, that didn't end all the best. I think he came back for one of the reunions. Um, the other thing I thought the the funniest thing was. I did see this. Uh, I don't know if I saw it on a sign or a tweet that said, and I I know Kirk well. I know that he's not picking his clothes. Like I don't know if you saw what Herb Street wore. So the tweet was Kirk, Kirk Herb Street is wearing what John Dutton is fighting to keep out of Montana, and it was that that's pretty much it. He pretty much nailed it. Like if I I saw so he looked like honestly like Jim Carrey when he goes to meet the girl at the date in Dumb and Dumber, and he's wearing like all the gloves and the hat and all that stuff. That's kind of what it looked like a little bit to me with Herbie. I'm like that. I, I've never seen anybody look like that who's from the state. Have you seen this that just got tweeted to us? No, it is. I can't even. Now where's that? Don't even say it out loud. We got to do some reconnaissance. I got to see where that is. Yeah, but it was good. They did a good job, and and so um, it was beautiful. As I thought it would be. I, I do want to shout out. I know they're not listening, but literally the people that work at Ford Field. They're awesome. The Lions, Maybe they are listening. They loved us on DLD. It, they did. They 
they were spectacular. Shout out to Chavis and Phil Dangerfield, who literally put this together, and it was hour by hour. Like, we're riding up on the bus, and we're getting reports that the bills are now delayed. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were delayed again. And it's like, okay, here's this hotel. How do we make the best of it? There's a wedding going on with 300 people at it. Like, the, and the people at Ford Field on Friday, anytime I had a question, I sent an email. Within 10 minutes, it was answered. It was taken care of. That's great. Whatever we needed. It was shout out to all parties. It, it came together. It, I thought it was a really cool atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, unfortunately, we didn't win. But yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. You could win forty-eight hours or a little bit more. You could like plan an NFL game and actually do it. It's pretty remarkable. All right, Coach Stefanski is coming up next from the podium today. Cleveland Browns fans skip the chore of laundry, enjoy life, not laundry. Tide Cleaners is offering thirty percent off dry cleaning for the month of November. Just mention the promo code Browns. Visit TideCleaners.com to find the location closest to you. Some exclusions may apply. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo here for my friends Renew Home Exteriors. Upgrade the look and value of your home with new siding from Renew Home Exteriors, ranging in every architectural style in over 50 colors. Save thousands this month during their new home exteriors end-of-year siding sale. 24 months, no payments, no interest. Take advantage of end-of-the-year deals before January 1st. Price hikes kick in. Beautify your home. Premium siding, roofing products at lower prices. With Renew Home Exteriors, visit RenewEstimate.com. And now here's Coach Stefanski at the podium. Okay, injury front. Ethan Posick has a knee injury uh, that'll be in the weeks, but not entirely sure how many weeks that is. Um, Jack Conklin with that foot injury uh, should be okay. You know, obviously looking back on that game, just some really missed opportunities uh, is, is what it was. You go play a good football team. Um, you've got to capitalize on opportunities when you get down in the red zone. you got to come away with sevens. Uh, we just didn't capitalize on opportunities. And then in the second half, we got to find a way to get a stop uh, and play complimentary football. And we just didn't do that. Uh, and that's that's what that's when you get those results that we got yesterday. So we got to find a way. Got a, another good team this week coming to our place. And we got to find a way uh, to go one and oh this week. And with that, I'll take any questions. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Coach. I know you. we've talked to you a lot about the defense and the run defense in particular, and I know you've tweaked practices and scheme and personnel. You're still not getting the results you want. How concerning is that? Yeah, I think to your point, Tom, you know, you are trying to do anything you can to, to get the results you, you're looking for. So in order to play good run defense, uh, schematically, we got to make sure that we can play fast, can can fit our gaps, uh, you know, be sound in, in everything we're doing. Um, and didn't do that yesterday enough. You got to tackle, you got to run the ball, all those things. So we'll continue to look at it and, and find a way because uh, teams are going to continue to try to run the football. Um, and we got to, we got to stop it. Hey, Kevin, after the game, Miles said not enough importance is being placed on takeaways in practice. And Grant said, you can't have faith in your teammates if guys don't know what they're doing. Do you feel like the defense, is it like a fracturing point? And how do you keep it together? I think when you're three and seven, there's frustration. I mean, that, that's what we are today, three and seven. Um, but 
bottom line is we got to be every person in this building, players, coaches, staff, you name it, have to have that attitude of, of fixing anything that needs to be fixed. And that's where our focus is today. Um, I can't speak to those specific things that those guys said, but those are conversations I'll have with our guys. And um, will Yelda stay in at center for Ethan? Yes. Yeah, Kevin, we've talked so much about the defense, right, where, you know, Miles, about the, the practice, there's guys that are questioning the game plan. How concerning is it when it's year three of this? All these, A lot of these players have been here for a long time. Joe Woods has been here. How concerning is that it's year three and they're still having issues? Yeah, I, again, I, I, I go back to it's frustrating to be three and seven. Um, there's frustration that comes with that. Um, I get that there's negativity that comes with that, but uh, – we're going to focus on what we can do better, focus on uh, things that we can control. Uh, and what we can control this week is is finding a way to go get a win. Hey, Kevin, kind of off of that, but when you're game planning to try to get this win this week and guys saying that they're maybe having a hard time understanding what they're supposed to be doing and the coverage they're supposed to be in in any given moment, how do you address that? Is it slowing things down and walk through a practice? Is it changing how the plan is delivered, adjusting teaching style? Are those things that you're considering when you're looking at those kinds of issues? Yeah, I think to your question, Cam, you know, and this is for all sides of the ball, you're always trying to give your guys a plan that they can go play fast. I mean, that's when you get to Sundays, you don't want to be thinking, you want to be reacting. So we look at all those things. We look at walkthroughs, uh, how, how we conduct walkthroughs, how often we do a walkthrough. Um, all those things are important in, in your preparation because it does come down to your preparation. Having said that, uh, What's important for our players, what's important for our coaches is to put together a plan for this week. We can control this week, um, and that's what we're going to do. Um, okay, and uh, Dion um, Jones, eight plays yesterday. What was that all about? He was not on the injury report. Yeah, just the course of the game, you know, uh, Taki playing Mike linebacker for us, uh, was doing a nice job, uh, and then obviously Joe K was playing a ton. The block, uh, or the block on Cade York yesterday, was that low trajectory or a breakdown in protection? What, what did you see? Yeah, I, I think it was. Uh, we got to look at it. It's something. It's a focus of ours that we got to make sure we're working on with Cade. Um, you know, got to have a high trajectory on those kicks. Um, something we're just working on. Uh, yeah, Kevin, perhaps similarly. Just wondering, do you, um, you know, when you look out there at your defense? and your players, do you feel like they know what their assignments are, what they're supposed to be doing, that they're prepared for uh, for the game plan in, as much as they possibly can be? Yeah, I, I do, Mary Kay. And listen, uh, mental errors and, and those type of things, they happen in football. Um, so I'm not naive to, to say that we're going to play the perfect game, but uh, I think these guys work really, really hard during the week to make sure that they have a very firm grasp of what we're doing. When the other team makes a play, they make a play, um, but you got to tackle and get them on the ground. But overall, understanding what we're doing, I think the guys are putting in the work. Hey, Kevin, it seems like once something bad happens, then it, it kind of tends to snowball for you. You know, you get to fumble and then a couple of um, things go bad from there. How do you stop that from happening in game where one you know mistake doesn't turn into – 10 mistakes. Yeah, you got, I mean, you make your own luck, Scott. I really believe that you just, you got to make one play, uh, one play to your point might turn the momentum of a football game. And, uh, but that's, that's on, on us to go make those plays. And what contributed to so many negative runs from Nick yesterday? That's really unusual for you guys. 
Yeah, they, uh, you know, first of all, they did a nice job uh, in, in that scheme that they were, they were penetrating. Um, there are things that we can do uh, to give Nick and our backs a better opportunity, but we got, we have to run the ball better, um, obviously, and, and I think we will. Coach, you mentioned Jeremiah before he was all over the field yesterday. Just a matter of him feeling better, feeling better. I know he had a good week of practice. Yeah. Um, again, played played a lot, played sideline to sideline. Was wasn't perfect, you know. There, there's plays I know that he wants back, but gave great effort um, trying to fight to get guys on ground, fight to get the ball out. And and back to the block field goal. Was it, was there just a low trajectory there? What was the breakdown there? Yeah, I, I don't think it was protection. Um, obviously, can't measure exactly the the trajectory of those type of things. But that that is an emphasis for all, all kickers are trying to make sure that they get great trajectory on on those kicks. All right, Joe Thomas up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries, call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns as we bring back the Hoff, Joe Thomas, for the second hour of the program. Well, we, we've we read this book before, haven't we, Hoff? Um, mistakes on special teams, and we don't mistakes like on defense, um, and an, unwilling, an inability to overcome any of it and then just get gashed in the run game again by an opposition. So this this had a similar script to us. Uh, what was it like for you, sir? This book is not on Oprah's favorite things book list. Uh, that's for <laughs> sure because nobody likes it. I'm tired of seeing us not be able to stop the run. That was my big takeaway from the game. You can't win NFL games if you just absolutely can't stop the run. I understand that you know sometimes – Teams are going to get one on you, and sometimes teams have really tough rushing attacks, and you're going to give up some things in the running game if somebody's just really good and really committed to it because maybe you don't want to give up some big plays in the passing game. But until we're able to consistently stop or at least just limit the run a little bit, the team really almost has no chance because we don't have the type of an offense until Deshaun Watson comes back to be able to put up. 30 plus points every week and to be able to explosively score like you saw if you watched the Sunday night game with the Chiefs and the Chargers like if Mahomes is your quarterback it doesn't matter if you can't stop the run because the other team can't go the long hard way running the football even if they're gashing you consistently enough to compete with a quarterback that's scoring in two or three plays but we don't have that right now and so if we want to be competitive next week we got to be able to figure out a way to stop the run and clearly from a personnel standpoint, we don't right now have the defensive line and linebackers to be able to stop the run. So we're going to have to try to do it with scheme. And if the back end is going to suffer because of that, they got to figure it out because those guys are pretty good in the back end. Several of them are paid highly to be able to communicate, to be able to get things done and to win in man coverage. If we have to attack the line of scrimmage with some run blitzes to try to stop the run because dying this death of a million paper cuts right now against everybody's rushing attack is a book that I don't want to read anymore. <laughs> Same. Throw it in the trash. Same. That's right. We don't need Done. any of that. Half, how do you – it just feels like this team – and we talked about it in the first segment. I hate to even revisit it, but we'll talk about it with you because you're such <sighs> a fine gentleman. It's like the first sign something goes wrong, it's just over. 
We fumble in their yeah. territory. It's over. We go for it and fourth down their territory, and we don't get it, which is those two things have happened in consecutive games, both. It just feels like we crumble. I mean, at one point in this game, we had 11 first downs. They had zero, and it was 10 to three. And then we had 200 and something yards of offense, and they had 50, and it was 10 to six. Like, how does this happen? And what? I don't know. This seems lacking. I said, what did I say? Clutch meter, execution, mm -hmm. and leadership in, in a massive way. And it, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know, Huff. I'm at a loss. Hope breeds effort, right? Uh, Michael Irvin, one of the show's favorite characters that I don't know if he's ever even been on the show, but we talk about him all he the has. time. He and has. That, oh, yes. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what a great man for taking the time. For do you us. remember a Do host. you remember many years ago, Huff? I think Hugh was the coach, and he brought Playmaker in to, like, talk to the team. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually it was Chud because him and Chud, I want to say, played Chud? Okay. together maybe. Yeah. There, okay. was, there was a Miami connection between the two of them. So it was a long time ago. Yeah. And then he, he came on in. into the show and he was great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Irv was, when he was in front of the room, it was <laughs> it was bad timing because it was like our bye week and it was the thing we had to do before we got out of town. Oh. So people weren't exactly excited to have like a long speech, but I will say the playmaker, he brought it. Like, he took his pre-workout before that meal, and uh, there was about 30 minutes of Irv up there just sweating like a preacher in front of the room, giving all his best effort, which was awesome. Um, Did you ever say to yourself, you, boy, I'd love to travel the country with this guy? The on, world. On, yes. on, the world on uh, Wednesday nights for yes. the next few years? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're surprised to hear it, but it was not going across my dashboard at that moment in my life. I was thinking about trying to get to the bye week so I could get sitting in this tree stand and get a couple days away from Berea. But uh, we digress a bit. But either way, Irv, the thing he said almost every week was hope breeds effort and i would always tease him about saying it all the time but it's so true in this game where wins and losses come down to one two three points we saw it yep. so often early in the season when you have a team that has maybe a couple players you can lean on whether it's their leadership from an emotional standpoint a vocal standpoint or their performance standpoint you believe in those guys and you have hope that in those big moments because you've seen it before that they're going to stand up and they're going to win the moment. They're going to make the big play. And no matter what the scoreboard says, you know those plays are going to be there. And it's your job as one of the Indians to be able to just make sure that the table is set for when that chief is ready to come in and make the big play. And we've got a few of those guys, but we don't have enough of those guys right now. And we don't have that dude that, like the Chiefs, we, we were just talking about a minute ago. With Patrick Mahomes, I did a podcast with Mitchell Schwartz today, and he said, those guys never panic. They never even get worried. They get behind in almost every game, and if you're on Chiefs Twitter, like everybody's freaking out all the time, but they're cool as a cucumber. Patrick, he never gets emotional. Andy Reid, he never gets worked up on the sidelines if they're behind, like because they know that it doesn't matter what the score is because they're going to be able to find what they need at the end, and as long as Patrick Mahomes has the ball with – more than a few seconds left on the clock, and it's a one-score game, they're going to win. And so all those guys that are role players know that it's up to them to make sure that they do everything that they need, you know, within the confines of what they're asked in their offense or their defense, to just get their job done, to stay within that one score, to just keep plugging along and giving that great effort, that great focus that they need, and that the Patrick is going to make the play. Unfortunately, we don't have that guy right now. And so these guys, as soon as one play goes the wrong way, it's like, oh, it's over. And then the focus drops, 
the effort drops, the intensity drops, and then things get sideways. Whereas a game, when you watch the first quarter, you're going, you're feeling really good about things. You're thinking, hey, man, you're talking yourself into all the stuff we talked about pregame. Hey, Buffalo, a lot of adversity this week. They get in town late. They're thinking about their families back home in the blizzard. It was supposed to be a home game. Now it's sort of a neutral site. You jump on them early. You maybe have a chance to get ahead of them. Josh's elbow's hurting. He's not playing at his best right away. But then one play goes wrong, and everyone's like, oh, here we go again, right? It's like, here we go again. It's the same thing that we as fans get when we're watching the team. Joe, there's... You know, there's two. T- I think people think leadership can o- is only just one way. There's two types of there's positive leadership, and there's a million ways to do it, as you've articulated with with Mahomes and Reed and a belief and a quiet. And then there you can be chesty, but you have to be honest to yourself, right? You have to be who you are. Otherwise, it comes across uh, across as not being genuine. The other type of leadership is negative leadership, and it does feel like it's some of the some of the th- way that we're operating right now, and it, especially notice in the post game, it's almost like, well, that's not my fault. That's you. Now they're not so much point, finger pointing and saying it's you it's coaching, but, but it is a lot yeah. of passing the buck as opposed to we aren't right. We screwed this up. It's on. You know what I mean? Like it feels like there's other. We want to pass the buck a lot right now with this team, and that's almost as disappointing as the results to me. Yeah, you definitely would like to see people take more ownership post game. I think it losing is impossible in the NFL, uh, and at first glance you're like what does that mean well what i'm saying is it's impossible to stand up in front of the media after you know losing what we six six of the last seven right now and really Mm -hmm. say anything that anybody's going to like to hear right yeah as coaches i or sorry as a player i love when coaches stand up and say it's my fault it's on me right like they take it but then from a fan standpoint if you hear the coach saying that after a bunch of losses you're like well call some people out hold some people accountable right it's kind of the same thing with the players like if they stand up there and every week it's like, oh, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. It just kind of feels hollow and phony, like that's just your go-to line. So really, in the end, you just got to play better. You got to hold each other accountable in those meeting rooms and on the practice field. And then you got to win because no matter what they say after a game, nobody's going to be happy with. Now, certainly, you the last thing you want to hear, though, is it's somebody else's fault. You know, you want to say yeah. maybe if if the player says it's me or it's we, you're you're a little bit more okay with it. But passing the finger or passing the buck by pointing the finger at somebody else, maybe even indirectly or passively, passive aggressively, I don't like that either. That's probably my least favorite thing to hear after a game. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating, and you know, then of course everybody gets asked about it, right? So Kevin Stefanski gets asked about it, and he says, you know, Miles speaks for Miles, and it just feels like, you know your star you don't want in the middle of these types of situations, you know, and it's obviously it happened last year in New England and it happened, you know, it's happened more recently. It feels like every day on Friday, there's some type of subtle comment that is made. What would your advice be to Miles or your advice be to Kevin Stefanski to, in dealing with that? Because it doesn't at least, it's not translating to win. So I, you can't make the argument that it's productive at this point. Yeah. I, I think for Miles, he's, finding his way to be the leader on this team because clearly he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. He's naturally a quiet er guy, but he's accepting the role of leader and trying to be the person within that locker room that players look to, but that he can also hold those other guys accountable. Um, and without being in the building, it's hard for me to know like what that looks like 
when the media isn't there, right? Because most of what those guys do during the season, the media is not there to watch. So we have right. no idea, you know, kind of how players are holding each other accountable and things like that. All we see is what happens on game day and then a little bit of, you know, during after practice or during media sessions. Um, and so I think Miles is trying to figure out the best way to try to motivate this team because I think one thing that he said that everybody who's a Browns fan believes and is maybe maybe our biggest worry is, hey, there's some real studs on this team. I mean, you look at Amari Cooper and Miles Garrett, like those two dudes are real studs. You look on the offensive line, Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller, like Jack Conklin, like there's some real studs. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, like the Chief this year has been playing really well. Like we got dudes that are in the prime of their career and you feel like we're kind of wasting it right now. Yeah, it's painful. It is. And and I think what's really but only those studs can stop it, right? I understand coaches can put them in the right position, but like yeah, it's cumulative. I mean, it's it, all of it. Yeah, they have to the co- all of it. I mean, the, the reality is you're a 3 and 7. We're not that good then. No, we're a 3 and 7 football team is what we are. And and Joe, I think the thing that's going to be really challenging, yeah, there's still a glimmer of hope like you win every game you play and I suppose that matters when you're in a room, but that's really really difficult. I, I, this thing can really go sideways here too, and that's the last thing. I mean, even more so than it already is. Um, you've been in these, unfortunately. You know what this is kind of like a little bit. How do you make sure that that this doesn't go too far off the rails here? Yeah. So putting myself in Miles' shoes, unfortunately, being in that situation before, and putting putting myself in Joel's shoes because I know he's one of those leaders on the offensive side of the football. What are you selling to the guys that brings that focus on practice? and preparation, and then gives you the effort and the focus you need on game day. And if you're sitting up there trying to sell like, oh, we can still make the playoffs, you know what? You may have some guys buy in, but you may have some other guys being like, that ain't happening, right? Like, we're not making the playoffs where we are right now, especially where we are based on the momentum of the season to this point where we started pretty good and we've really kind of backslid the last six, seven games. So you got to sell maybe potentially – not saying we don't have a chance to make the playoffs, but you're trying to emphasize something else. So what are you trying to emphasize? Like, hey, guys, this is really important how we finish this season because a lot a lot of these dudes are going to be here next year. And we want to finish this season strong for this team and the guys that are going to be here next year because Deshaun's coming back in two weeks. And everybody has known since he got here that he's the future, the long-term future. And we knew it could be tough until he gets back because you're playing with a backup quarterback who, by the way, has exceeded expectations. Like, none of this he's is been amazing right now. He's been great. Yes. But you need to sell to the people that are going to be here next year that we have an opportunity to build something and finish this season strong. And then whatever happens with the records happens. You know, we, we had this really cold stretch in the middle of the season, but we were able to finish strong. And then however the AFC North unfolds, it unfolds. Some of that's going to be out of our control based on Cincinnati and Baltimore. But we want to finish this strong because we're starting to build something for next year when Deshaun is hopefully with us for 17 games. And, oh, by the way, if you're one of those guys that maybe isn't going to be in Cleveland next year, it's still important because you're trying to find a spot somewhere else in the NFL. It's a little bit like what happens towards the end of the preseason, right? The guys that are playing that are starters, we're trying to – put things together and build some momentum for the season. And then the guys that maybe don't make the team, you're trying to make an impact for your own self to be able to find a location somewhere else in the NFL to continue your career. So 
you may not be thinking playoffs and may not be looking at the records the way you were earlier in the season, but the rest of the season is just as important for this team because there's a lot of dudes that are going to be here, and we still have a lot of talent here to be able to maybe build something really special for next season. Yeah, and it's sad to, to think that that's what we're already looking forward to. You know what I mean? That is, I think that's what's so disappointing for so many of our fans and, and obviously the guys on the team as well, that that's, that's where we're at. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say, Hoff. It's not pure joy. It's the opposite. No. Yeah. Yeah, it is the opposite. I mean, we want to be sitting here and going, all right, you know, we got these games left. And if Cincinnati loses and then, you know, Baltimore struggles or, you know, you want to be playing that game, the the schedule game. That's so much fun. That's where pure joy is for fans is your team's playing well and you're looking at the playoff race and you're trying to figure out what do we got to do to win the division or make the playoffs and then who has to lose. And that, that makes every game in the NFL then fun to watch. And that's what's great about the NFL. There's only 32 teams. So, like, for the most part, You've got a rooting interest in almost every single one of those games. Now, of course, yep. it's always fun to cheer against the Steelers and against the Ravens. And, you know, it's not as much fun for me to cheer against the Bengals because I do like Joe Burrow personally. I, I really like who he is as a quarterback and stuff. But you sure as hell better bet that I'm going to cheer against them if it means the Browns' success or failure within our own division. Um, but, like, you lose some of that joy when playoffs is not on the line. So you have to just kind of shift your focus as a player and as a leader on that team to still talk about the importance of building this team and right now. It's almost like bull practice, right? Like when you were in college, you know, I was not an Ohio State Buckeye, so I didn't get to play in the Rose Bowl and the national championship and play for true championships at the end of the season. But that bowl practice was still really important because you wanted to win the bowl game, obviously. But you were trying to build a unit, camaraderie, Mm -hmm. coordination, teamwork, make yourself and your team better for what you guys have coming back and that doesn't always necessarily start after the season like right now if you don't have playoffs immediately on the line hey Deshaun's coming back let's build this team and see what we're our potential is going to be for next season when Deshaun's there the whole year Hoff you're the best have a great Thanksgiving buddy thanks for having me guys oh he's sticking wait he's sticking around I thought this was it we have a whole hour of Hoff was I getting fired in the middle no, no, I thought, I thought he was just... Thomas hour? Oh, this I, is I, I didn't know there was like an hour. I thought we had no, to... No, I'm sorry. You, you guys were acting like I got to go. Yeah, don't hassle the hoe. No, 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 no. Don't I needed to like break. I, I, I haven't even s- asked him about turkey yet. Give me your fired. Give me your done. Unbelievable. Hoff will remain. I have a full hour Give me your fired. Hoff will remain. We'll go around the league, and we'll get his turkey recipe as well. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority gives you the bathroom of your dreams. Why not transform your bathroom from its current status to a spa-like experience? Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They're experts and factory trained. You give them a call now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath and shower remodel. Call 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in the United States. 
Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Acrylic tubs that insulate and keep the heat in. Tub to shower conversions if you need them. They got them. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com. And we continue with the Joe Thomas Hour. That was my fault. I blew it. You blew it, boy. Sorry. That's Hoff. all right. Don't worry about it. Sorry. Don't hassle the Hoff. I would never. I would never do that. Hoff, uh, let's let's start by going around the AFC North, boys. And uh, boy, this was one the Bengals had to have. If you look at their schedule the rest of the way, it's brutal. Especially juxtaposition to Baltimore's, which is a cakewalk. Um, I think it's going to be uphill for Cincinnati to win the division anyway. They're a game back. They don't have a tiebreaker right now. But Baltimore's they're not very impressive. They're not. Though. But look up. You have Cincinnati's schedule no, up? I know that I know a tough Baltimore's or easy Baltimore's. Baltimore's is. is a cakewalk. Cincinnati's is absolutely brutal. They had to have it. They got it. I will give credit though to Pittsburgh because they're three and six. They're playing with a rookie quarterback and they had a lot of fight. TJ Watt Watts was great in there. He's, He's a battling. Game changer. Hoff, what did you make of, of that in the late window that Bengals win in, in Pittsburgh? Well, Joe Burrow's kind of continuing his uh spectacular streak here. Started out a little bit slow because he missed training camp, you know, with the appendicitis. And I think as a quarterback, especially a young quarterback um, who relies on a lot of pocket passing, just having that reps in training camp to get the timing down with your receivers, I think is really important. And when you lose that, you lose that little edge that I think Joe Burrow had at the end of the season, you know, going to the Super Bowl. Um, But he's got it back, obviously. 355 passing yards and four touchdowns against you know, pretty solid Steelers defense when T.J. Watt's breathing down your neck the whole game. Um, impressive. And I, I like this, the Bengals to win the division. I, I am not impressed with the Ravens. I, I know that I have an unlimited amount of respect for John Harbaugh and his kind of ability to motivate and, and lead and, and get those guys to play at their best. Um, but this Ravens offense is, is, is kind of putrid. Uh, <laughs> they only scored – what, 13 points against yep. the Panthers? And they had plenty of opportunities. I mean, um, I, I think Lamar Jackson is playing well, but he just doesn't have any weapons right now. They can't run the ball, and everybody Bateman's basically just out. blitzes yeah. him, and they just don't have any answers. Yeah, I mean, they got nobody to throw the ball to down the field. He's always relied on his tight ends, but even that's kind of dried up a little bit without a running game. Um, so I, I don't know if I really believe all that much in the Ravens down the stretch, even though their schedule is quite a bit easier. So just to give you guys an idea, Z, here's Cincinnati. At Tennessee, Chiefs at home, us at home, at Bucks, at Patriots, Bills at home, Ravens. That's their next seven. Uh, yeah, legit. Yeah, ambitious. Conversely, and I agree with Hoff in terms of what the Ravens have been, they are 7-3, and three, so they have the game advantage. And I, I don't know that there's an easier stretch here in the league. They're at Jacksonville, Broncos at home, at Pittsburgh, at us, Falcons at home, Steelers at home, at Bengals. That's Baltimore's last seven. Tough. Tough. It is going to be tough. But you know what? They're playing good ball right now. And I agree. I did want to, yeah, just quick follow up. And I would love to hear your guys' comments. Um, I've been really impressed with Kenny Pickett. And I don't like that as a Browns fan because for a rookie quarterback to kind of play with as much moxie and, and to see the type of performance he's had so quickly in an offense that I don't really love Matt Canada's offense, to be honest. I don't think it's all that creative. I don't, I don't think it's real dynamic. Um, but Kenny Pickett's really kind of impressed me, and maybe that that upsets me maybe more than how the Browns have played right now because that means that they're not going to have this extended period of looking for a franchise quarterback that kind of a lot of people expected. Well, they get a lot of weapons. 
and they've got a good ground game with Najee, so that that helps. Like they they can spin it a little bit. He has been better in recent weeks, the last couple. Um, but yeah, I mean he's a rookie quarterback. He's he's finding right. his way a little bit. And for them, I think, you know, they I think they probably anticipated this to a certain extent that this is how it would go. And I just was impressed that they, the way that they fought against Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati had to have it. So Jamar Chase is out of the out of the crutches, and he was walking. And the anticipation is that he's going to play against Tennessee. So that's the only reason they didn't put him on Back IR this week. Back this week okay. is what they're thinking. Nothing okay. official, but okay. that's kind of what what they're thinking on at, at this point is is that's kind of the way that it's going. Um, but long term, when you look at, I mean, we are such an unknown long term. In terms of what we're going to look like, we have certain things that we know. We've got young guys who are locked in. We know who the quarterback's going to be. We know who the defensive end's going to be. We know who the interior of the offensive line's going to be, and so forth. Nick Chubb, et cetera. Um, but Cincinnati, long term, their their operation is pretty turnkey. Yeah, yeah, they, they're set up. They are set up very nicely. Um, I thought T. Higgins was great yesterday for them, mm -hmm. uh, leading the way. Um, they got a lot out of Samaji P. Ryan when Mixon went down. I like I I like the Bengals. When you could this is the way I feel, Hoff, and, and maybe it's a philosophical difference that I'm starting to have, but like and, and you see the Browns make the move for Watson. When you can score, you can play with anybody. I think it's yeah. much easier to say that we're good enough to score X number of points every week than it is to say we have to limit teams to, you know, seventeen every week. I just think that's hard in the NFL today. Yeah. I agree. And, and, and the Bengals and, can score. Yeah. I I agree and, and maybe this is my twist of optimism as Deshaun comes back in two weeks, like we could have a totally different perspective if Deshaun comes back and all of a sudden this offense is dynamic like we kind of hope. I mean, we don't know what the expectations are, right? The guy hasn't played NFL football in a long time. We don't know what he's going to look like within our offense, but like having that dude, that quarterback that can make so many plays, not only throwing it, but just winning when things break down with his legs opens up everything in your offense including your run game. And now our run game had been really good. Obviously this was one of our worst performances rushing the football, but um, it'll be really fun to see what this team looks like when you got that guy at quarterback, because on defense, which has been a massive, massive, <laughs> I want to say embarrassment on defense this so far. This yeah, season. I think it's fair. I yeah, don't think, fair. I don't think that's unfair. It's been bad. We thought this defense was going to keep us in a lot of these games until Deshaun came back, right? That was sort of what we were selling. Run game, Jacoby don't make mistakes, great defense. The defense has been bad. And when Deshaun comes back and all of a sudden you're scoring those points at a high clip, now maybe that changes the philosophy on defense where you're saying, hey, we don't have to worry about limiting them to 10 or 13. We can take more chances. We can be more creative. And I think that's been one of the fair criticisms of Joe Woods' defense thus far is like, it's kind of basic. And when they've tried to do stuff that's changing coverages, maybe some different blitzes, like they can't communicate in the back end to be able to get it done. And then you leave their best player against the Buffalo Bills wide open in the back of the end zone. And so I think maybe what the philosophy becomes then a little bit is you can take more chances because you know that, hey, so what? We gave up a quick touchdown. Our guy on the other side, he's going to go get a quick touchdown and give it back to us. So like, it just changes how you think of the game and how the game flows when you have that dude at quarterback. Uh, let me just ask, because you said something there, but, you know, we can be more exotic or this, that, whatever, and we end up with blown coverages. Like, 
and and you tell me if I'm wrong. This is me thinking about it as an outside person who is, you know, I've been around the team, but I've never been in the locker room and the terminology and going through the meetings and the whiteboards and all of this. That, but, and and maybe it's different offense and defense. But like they've played cover three and cover four and cover yeah. two and cover six and man and all of those things their whole lives. They've played. They know the specific rules for each one of those defenses in this defense because it's been the same for the last three years. So you should know exactly what you're supposed to do when somebody goes to motion and then, you know, one, two, three goes from the left side to the right side or whatever it is. How does this keep happening or, or do, do I have it wrong? Are there so, And I know there are so many nuances that happen based on a pre-snap motion or based on, you know, if, if somebody hits to 10 yards as opposed to 15 yards on their route depth. These are things that we've been doing for three years for a lot of these guys, right? Yeah, and first of all, it shouldn't happen, right? So me trying to explain it is not excusing it. It should. It's inexcusable. However, the way that NFL defenses are called, like your personnel grouping, so let, let's just say it's AFC or whatever they call a defensive, uh, a defense that's coming in from the sideline. That doesn't necessarily say, okay, it's cover three no matter what. Like basically that's saying – this week, we're going to do this coverage if they are in uh, this shift or this formation. And sure. as that changes, they have to communicate the change in coverage, the change in blitz. So, like, you may have a blitz called, but if they get into a certain formation or they motion a certain way, it may be called off. Because the reason you do that is you're going through the tendencies during the week as you're developing your game plan, and you're saying – Hey, we really like these defenses versus this formation or this shift because yep. they've got yeah they've got this these three plays that we've seen that they'll run out of this and versus those three plays we're really comfortable running let's say cover four or we really want to blitz into that because they don't really have a good answer versus that but as they move and as they change like you have to communicate the changes that are game plan specific for that week based on the offense's tendencies and how your defense matches up versus those tendencies and we've really struggled in communicating when things change which is normal like like you mentioned they know how to run cover three they know cover four they know cover two they know man they know robert they know all those things but the problem has been as they change based on the game plan those communications are are not being delivered and communications is always a two-way street somebody's got to give it somebody's got to receive it and i think yep. that's part of the reason why you've heard last week where the defense specifically was getting together and trying to have some players only meetings to make sure that they're on the same page that they understand the game plan because when i was there you know we had a bunch of different defensive coordinators and they'd put in a lot of good defenses and then as you run them through the week if they screwed them up and the players weren't able to communicate it or some guy missed it, they would just throw that out. And then you lose that advantage that you're building in from a schematic standpoint. So the communication is what has been killing them based on what the changes are from a game plan specific standpoint. OBM, the official printer partner of the Cleveland Browns. Whether you depend on your Browns to win, you depend on OBM. They can tackle any size office at 216-485-2000 or ohiobusinessmachines.com. And also our friends at Rumpke Waste and Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer, as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. We'll go around the NFL landscape. Get Hoff's Thanksgiving treats coming up next as well. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Fans of Browns defense recorded two sacks yesterday. That means you win a free appetizer today at participating Northeast Ohio Buffalo Wild Wings location. Terms and conditions apply. Buffalo Wild Wings, the greatest of all times. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming in here on Sunday at 1 o'clock. I would assume it's his final appearance in Cleveland, but with him, who in the heck ever knows? Hoff, do you have a favorite uh, memory or interaction with Tom through the years? You know, he never would come to the Pro Bowl, so I haven't got a chance to really get to know him all that well. I mean, we played him a few times. I would share pleasantries. Um, I think my favorite memory, though, is when Colt McCoy was our starting quarterback and they came to Cleveland. I think Eric Mangini was still our coach, and uh, we smoked them. I mean, it was a molly whopping, I want to say 33 to something. We ran all over them, and uh, he got an opportunity tonight to watch Colt McCoy again for the Arizona Cardinals, I think. I think he's going to be starting. He is in that game in Mexico City. So he is. Uh, <laughs> yes, fired up. Yeah, he's oh, fired up he? for tonight. Oh, yeah. Should be a fun one. I, I love watching those international games. Yeah, it should be a good environment down there. Absolutely. Yeah, and Tom Brady. So I was talking with Chase Winovich, mm-hmm. uh, who was with him his rookie season. He's like, we were like spirit brothers because of Michigan, you know, Michigan, and and yeah. all of that. Yeah. And, but he's he would very much like to sack him. I think he would that bring Chase great joy. Yeah. Which would be a lot of fun. I got two things for you, Hoff. Uh, number one, you're playing for an axe this week. Yeah. Uh, for, for Wisconsin. Um, how how heavy is that axe? And and how important is, is that a season saver for the Badgers? I think it would be. Um, you know, strangely enough, when, when I was there and for it seemed like the 10 years before and after, we always whooped Minnesota. There was no question who was the better program, yeah. but – Last couple of years, Minnesota's really surged, and obviously Wisconsin's gone in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Fraudster. A, we were a bunch of frauds. I mean, we barely beat Nebraska this weekend, but I was happy to get the win. And we got an opportunity to get the axe back. Um, that'll be a big one. I think for Jimmy Leonard, he's uh, they're bowl eligible, and, and he's hoping to be able to get that job. I, I'd love to see him get the full-time job next season and have an opportunity to um, you know show what, he, what he's – got as a head coach he was the coach in waiting and it just happened a little quicker than we all expected but certainly it would, it would mean a lot to finish with a big win finish and, and go into the bowl um with a win against your your biggest rival bring that axe home and to your point about how heavy is the axe so it's interesting like the handle it's huge it's like you know four feet long and the handle is right. actually pretty heavy but the axe head itself is not a normal what? metal steel axe the head is it's wood it's painted wood so it's it's uh, much more balanced and lighter than you would expect had it been like a full-on yeah 12 inch metal head but i think they did that because it might be a little dangerous because dudes really do swing that thing around when they're (laughs) they're parading around the field after capturing the axe from your opponent half if if jim leonard gets that is he going to try to convince you to come share your knowledge with the offensive line of the badgers (laughs) He, he can sure try. He, I don't think he's going to be very successful. <laughs> <laughs> Hoff, we'll get you out of I'll here sure. on this one. Yeah, yeah. 
what's your uh, what's your Thanksgiving look like? What do we where are we at? What what turkeys? How are we preparing? Uh, what else are you doing along with the turkey? What are the MVP sides? Give us a little outlook. Mm, yeah, Daddy's always in charge of the turkey. Mom loves Thanksgiving. It's like her favorite holiday because she starts in the kitchen at you know eight a.m. and she does everything except for the turkey. That's that's my role. And forever I was a, a deep fried turkey, which is still elite. It's still exceptional. Um, but I actually moved away from doing the deep fry just because. I don't know if you guys have heard, but it gets pretty chilly in Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, standing outside over a deep fryer for an hour and a half or two hours, well, it gives you a good reason to drink some beers. I, I miss too much football, and now that I'm uh, not as tough as I used to be, or I'm not even tough <laughs> at all, I don't love standing out in the cold as much. So after a few years of trial and error, I've come to this conclusion that the way to make everybody in the family the happiest is I sous vide a couple turkey breasts which makes them perfect. Mm. I don't even finish them. I just sous vide them and then just slice them. And it makes them absolutely perfect for those people that just like a nice, moist, delicious melt in your mouth, turkey breast. I take the Mm. skin and I bake it in the oven and it gets uh, real flat and crispy. And then we break it up into like little ice iceberg pieces, um, which is really good because then people can kind of put those on their plate if they like the skin. That makes, you know, the kids and some of the women folk happy. And then I take the legs and the wings, and then I throw them on the smoker for like three and a half hours. Oh, Internal temperatures like, you know, 170. Baste them with butter a couple times towards the end. Um, And then the men folk who like the dark meat, who like a smoked flavor, which me personally, that's what I go for. I'll just grab a whole leg uh, and one of the wings myself. Uh, and I seems... go to Disney just to get a smoked turkey leg. That's right. People think they and go for the ride. No, I'm there for the smoked turkey leg. Yeah. Probably more economical way to do it, though, Yeah, I need to yeah. come up with. So oh, I'm interested to hear you guys. This is something that was new to me, but um, there's some people in my family, I'm not going to name any names, Annie, that don't like the smoked flavor. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's weird. Like they, they won't drink scotch because of the smokiness, and they don't like a lot of the smoked meats like if you sous vide and then smoke it doesn't add a lot of smoky flavor but my offset smoker uh at the farm where we're going to be cooking it we're using real wood so it makes it real smoky a great char on the outside and i love it i mean people that like smoke it's unbelievable it's elite you can't screw it it up oh it's the best um and so that's it just kind of keeps everybody happy and um that, that that's how we we've come after several years of trial and error that's how we've come to make everybody happy on thanksgiving i want to pick a you Sounds with a perfect. turkey leg Hoff. yeah that's we gotta see it. happy thanksgiving uh, we'll brother worry. <laughs> happy thanksgiving guys thanks for having me on all right the great Hoff. hey browns fans enter for your chance to win brown season tickets free milk bone dog treats for a year and more all courtesy of milk bone check them out at your local meyer so much more to come you listen to cleveland runs daily on 850 espn cleveland Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Catch the Browns preview show tonight, 7 to 8, University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. The voice of the Browns, Jim Donovan, joins Ken and Gerard on the show tonight. And we have a score, Gibbe. 49ers, Cardinals, Mexico. Cervezas, por favor. This was 8. It's up to 10. It's up to 10. Yeah. Nerd. Go, Pedro. I I think so. I actually do think that they will. Me too. I think they'll do it. Do it huge. Ram it. Big Niners. League. Yeah. By thirty. Yeah. Bigly. Bigly from the Ramets.
Let's get it done. We're back tomorrow from the food bank. Food bank, kids. Uh, you have that to look All forward right. to, which is nice. The next level is next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.